Brothers and sisters, our text for this afternoon is the summary of God's word as the churches confess it in Lord's Day 43. And we will read that now. Lord's Day 43. What is required in the ninth commandment? I must not give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor condemn or join in condemning anyone rashly and unheard. Rather, I must avoid all lying and deceit as the devil's own works, under penalty of God's heavy wrath. In court and everywhere else, I must love the truth, speak and confess it honestly, and do what I can to defend and promote my neighbor's honor and reputation. So far. Beloved of our Lord Jesus Christ, there are many people in the world who think God is a liar. They don't like what his holy word says, so they choose not to believe it. A loving God wouldn't cast people into hell, would he? Science disproves the account of Genesis, doesn't it? They, don't, they think that they can pick and choose what parts of God's word to believe. But God's word reflects his truthfulness. It is in his very character to be truthful. Balak, the king of Moab, found out when he called Balaam to curse Israel just before they entered the promised land. The Lord put these words into Balaam's mouth. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. This is the character of our God. What he says goes. And as his creatures, we were created in his image. As image bearers of God, we need to consider what his truthfulness means for us. Therefore, I preach to you God's word under the following theme and points. The Lord is truthful. Therefore, he commands his people to be truthful. And we will see the Lord's truthfulness revealed, the people's truthfulness required, and the Lord's truthfulness reflected. Brothers and sisters, the ninth commandment deals with bearing false witness. In other words, being untruthful. But what does that mean exactly? What is truth? One dictionary defines truth as conformity with the facts or with reality. It's true if it's an undisputable fact, like one plus one equals two. Therefore, when one speaks truthfully, it conforms with the facts or with reality. And so when God says, 
So when we say, sorry, when we say that God is truthful, we are saying that what he declares to us lines up with the facts of how the world really is, with reality. And this should not surprise us since God has created the reality in which we live. And he governs and upholds it by his might and power. Consider, for instance, how the Lord works with the prophet Samuel. Samuel was a prophet who was known to speak truthfully. Samuel 3, 19 and 20 says, So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. His words corresponded to the reality that God had shown him. This is how the Israelites would know that he was indeed a prophet of the Lord. Speaking truthfully was one of the criteria for being a prophet. According to Deuteronomy 18.22, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. What's implied is that that if God had said it, it would have come true. The underlying confession is that God is the author of truth. A prophet is considered to be a prophet of God when their words correspond with the reality that God directs and upholds. But is this how we understand the truth? Beloved, in our postmodern world, many think the notion of truth is just a figment of our imagination. Reality is simply how I, as an individual, interpret the world around me. Truth is not out there for everyone to find as part of God's established order. No, truth is in the eye of the beholder. How something lines up with my reality, not with the reality that God has created. And as a result, the world says that Christianity is true insofar as it helps you to live your life from day to day. It may give you meaning and hope in your personal situation, But beyond that, it really doesn't have much value. As a result, the world will go on to say the Hindu or the Muslim can claim that their religions are true insofar as they correspond to their particular way of looking at the world. But if that is all that truth is, then really, there is no comfort, brothers and sisters. We have no assurance that God's promises are real. Truth seen in this light is nothing more than man's futile attempt to find meaning in life on his own terms. The problem with looking at the world this way is that man's deciding for himself what is true. When in reality, God determines what is true. And how do we know that God determines the truth? Because, brothers and sisters, his words do not fall to the ground. When he speaks, it happens. God displayed the truthfulness of his words by ensuring that whatever he declared came to be. From the very beginning, God showed himself to be truthful. 
a God of his word. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And scripture confirms that indeed there was light. That was the first day of creation. And the second day, he said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And again, the scriptures say, and it was so. And it goes on down the line through the days of creation. When the Lord spoke, not one of his words failed to come true. His words did not fall to the ground. What he said came to be. The Israelites on Mount Sinai, receiving the ninth commandment, had every reason to be confident in the truthfulness of the Lord's words. He had promised to make the Israelites into a great nation, and it happened. He had foretold their captivity in Egypt, and it came to be. He promised that he would rescue them from Egypt, and by his mighty and outstretched hand, he led them out of captivity. When he made a promise, it happened. Brothers and sisters, this is the reason we should not view truth in the light of our postmodern world. Because of God's truthfulness, he is completely faithful to what he says. So contrary to the unbelieving world, man is not the one who determines what is true. If we fail to acknowledge God's truthfulness and his faithfulness and to believe what he says, it doesn't mean that the reality of God's truth truth is somehow null and void. Romans 3 makes that very clear. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. God's truth stands in spite of the world's denial. And why is that so important to know, brothers and sisters? It's important because when I acknowledge that God is the author of truth in this world and that he is faithful to every word that he has spoken, I can be confident of all the promises that he's made to me through his word. We're children of promise, having received a covenant of grace. What can be more important than to know that the promises I have received in my baptism were made by a God who cannot lie. Brothers and sisters, young people, children, when you were baptized, God promises you that he adopts you as his children. He promises to wash away all our sins so that we can be freed from sin and accounted righteous before God. He assures me that he will give me his Holy Spirit so that I might be a living member of Christ. That is the rock-solid promise that, has, that he has placed in your hand, a promise you can count on. And isn't that the reality that the Israelites had experienced and continued to experience? From the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, the Lord continued to lead his people, bringing them into the promised land. And throughout the course of redemptive history, 
the Lord was faithful to all the promises he made. In the coming of Christ, he fulfilled his promise of redemption. Romans 15 verse 8 says explicitly that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. The promise of the coming Savior made to the patriarchs came true. And as the Father is truthful, so is the Son. He promised His people, His Holy Spirit. And at the appointed time, the Spirit was poured out upon His people, just like He promised. And the Spirit, being God, also expresses God's truthfulness. John 16 refers to the Spirit as the Spirit of truth. And it says... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And so, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit continues to express God's truth. All scripture is breathed by the Holy Spirit and contains the truth that we so desperately need. But the spirit of truth does more than just give us God's Word. Through its proclamation, the Spirit works in our hearts, making us children of God. 2 Timothy 1 instructs us, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Through God's word, the Holy Spirit presents us with the truth. And so Timothy instructs us, follow such sound words. As believers, we have received this truth. The truth has come to dwell in our hearts. And Timothy says, that's something worth guarding. God has given you the truth, God's people. Something the world just can't seem to find And it's right here, being presented to you today. But we as God's people have the truth. But we also need to guard it, to hold on to it. And having received the Holy Spirit, we can and we do begin to live in truthfulness. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can begin to be the image bearer of God that he created me me to be. And that's why Lord's Day 43 on the ninth commandment is in the third part of the catechism. Dealing with my thankfulness. Christ has given me his Holy Spirit so that I might no longer live in darkness, but know the truth. The Holy Spirit revealed to me the truth about my sin and misery and that in myself there is no hope. The Holy Spirit points me to the answer, to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit works this through the proclamation of the word by first presenting the word to me and secondly making my heart receptive to the message and having received that truth. The Holy Spirit makes me alive in Christ. Through Christ, I have been set free so that I can live for him as a slave of righteousness and as his children. How does he want me to live in regard to the ninth commandment 
That brings us to our second point, the people's truthfulness required. The Catechism asks the question, what is required in the Ninth Commandment? And it begins by laying out what one must not do. But this afternoon, I would like to begin by laying out the positive implications of the law. As one who has discovered the truth of God's word, who has taken it to heart, who has the spirit of truth dwelling in his heart, what must I do? In 1 Corinthians 13, the famous chapter on love says that love rejoices in the truth. When I love my neighbor, I want what is true and right for them. This is the way that God acts towards us. He wants us to know the truth because he loves us. He makes his true promises to us and he's faithful to those promises. And as image bearers of our God, he calls us to love the truth as he loves the truth. And so what does that look like? Ephesians 4.25 instructs us to speak honestly to one's neighbor. It says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. And so, brothers and sisters, the next time that someone offends you, and you're having trouble letting go, don't say it's okay when it isn't. Take the time to communicate the truth in love. Resolve your differences by speaking the truth in love. When you carry around resentment and are tempted to slander your neighbor, go to that brother or sister and resolve your differences. But do it in a spirit that gives your brother or sister the benefit of the doubt. Do not twist their words in order to hang on to an argument or to a grudge. No, Scripture teaches us that we should speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 goes on to say that those that speak the truth in love grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. When we speak the truth in love. We display that the Spirit is at work in our lives. And if we grow in truth, we will avoid untruthfulness, especially words that might harm my neighbor. The ninth commandment is framed against the legal requirement of giving testimony at trial. Bearing false witness in court would end up in the accused possibly suffering for a crime that they didn't commit. The direct intent of the commandment was to ensure justice and fairness, that my neighbor did not suffer harm as a result of my words. And so the catechism rightly includes such sins as gossip and slander as behavior to be avoided. When someone gossips, they may be revealing true information, but they are revealing information about their neighbor that causes their reputation to be harmed. Or called into question. Slander is closely related, referring to words that are perhaps not true or inflammatory, directed against my neighbor, again causing harm to his or her reputation. And so, brothers and sisters, the Catechism goes on to forbid the twisting of someone's words. Which means that you present their words in a way in which they themselves did not intend them to be understood. 
In our reading from Psalm 15, verse 1, the, Lord, we, the question is asked, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? And the answer that follows shows that the truth reveals what's in your heart. This is the answer that's given. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. But sadly, we must confess, brothers and sisters, that we can't. Who among us has such a pure heart? Jeremiah 17, 19 is God's truth, and it reminds us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And the psalmist goes on to condemn, slander, encouraging the reader to do no harm to their neighbor, nor to take a reproach against a friend. In other words, not to join in some, condemning someone, as the catechism says. According to Romans 1, these are the things the wicked do. Those who denied the truth of God and believed the lie of the devil. Being filled with all unrighteousness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve those who practice them. So they did not love the truth, but encouraged the lie. And it shouldn't surprise us, brothers and sisters, since lying is of the devil. John 8 says, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But yet, aren't these so often the exact things that we do? We turn away from the truth and we believe the lie. We join in bearing false witness against our neighbor. And left to ourselves, we would be on that wide road that leads to destruction. If we go that way... Scripture is clear. The penalty is death. That's how mankind became estranged from God to begin with. Rather than reflecting the truth, Adam and Eve believed the lie of the devil and failed to reflect the truth of God. And as Adam and Eve's descendants, we share in this original sin. As a result, we so desperately need to have God's truth restored. And thankfully, This restoration has taken place through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Gospel of John has a lot to say about the restoration of truth. John 1 says Christ came full of grace and truth. The truth was not in us as a result of the fall. So God in his mercy sent one who was full of truth. He fulfilled all truth for me. John 8 tells us the wonderful message that the truth will set you free. The gospel writer goes on to declare that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so in order to reflect the image of God as we were created to do, we need to be restored in the truth through Jesus Christ. And that's what Christ did. When he went to the cross. He paid the price for my untruthfulness. And John 14 goes on to say. That whoever believes in Christ. Will do the work that Christ does. Having faith in him. We have received his Holy Spirit. And so we begin to reflect the truthfulness of our God. And Savior. Out of thankfulness for what he has done for me. 
And this brings us to our third point. We are God's children. Therefore, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let us thankfully reflect his truthfulness in our lives. And how do we do that? To start with, we confess the truth of his word. The spirit of truth works through the word. Therefore, we should speak truthfully about God. When I bear witness about him, it is to the upbuilding of my neighbor. That's what the catechism encourages us to do. I must love the truth and speak and confess it honestly. Such a confession brings praise to God because it reflects his truthfulness and it is an encouragement to my neighbor. When the truth is in us, we can speak truthfully to God. He wants us to confess our sin. The acknowledgement of sin is a clear indication that the truth is being reflected in my life. Listen to the words of 1 John 1. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Brothers and sisters, we have the truth. We are his children. Therefore, let us confess our sins to our gracious Lord and Savior. We also must reflect God's truth when we speak to one another. If we believe that the truth sets us free, then it will be our desire, our joy, to encourage our neighbor in their task of reflecting God's truthfulness. And so we need to realize that the truth spoken in love does not always mean that we speak only about the pleasant things. When we speak the truth to one another in love, it means that we may need to offer words of rebuke or instruction, not arrogantly, but in love, because we love God and our neighbor, and we want all our brothers and sisters to reflect the truthfulness of our God. Proverbs 9.9 says, Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. And so, brothers and sisters, submit. In thankfulness to Christ, to the faithful and truthful instruction of the office bearers who come with the word of truth to encourage you to walk in faithfulness before your God. Brothers and sisters, God's truthfulness results in his faithfulness to what he has promised. And so those who reflect the truthfulness of God need to seriously consider the promises they have made. You have made commitments in your marriage to love one another. Be truthful to that promise. You have made commitments by your profession of faith to submit to the instruction of the church, to listen to the admonition and instruction of the office bearers. Be truthful to that promise. In business, when you make a deal or sign a contract, live up to the terms of your obligations. You've made personal financial obligations to the bank, to the Christian school. Be truthful to that promise and reflect your Lord and Master, not just in word, but also in deed. Brothers and sisters, we may not be able to do it perfectly. But our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the embodiment of truthfulness. 
First Peter 2.22 records that Jesus committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And as a result, we can be assured that his promise to us will stand, as the scriptures proclaim in Romans 10, that Christ is the end of the law. Therefore, in spite of my sins and shortcomings, in spite of my failures to reflect God's truthfulness, God is truthful and faithful. And a few verses later, he makes this promise, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Beloved, the Lord is truthful. His words do not fall to the ground. When he speaks, things happen because he is true to his word. He has made a promise in his word, a covenant promise to you and to your children that we should be his. He has faithfully fulfilled his word in the Old Testament by sending our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because of our God's truthfulness, we can be completely confident that his promise to us will be fulfilled. God's word says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Believe it. And having believed it, let us display a life of truthfulness out of thankfulness for what Christ has done for me. A life where I confess the truth of God's word and display it by promoting my neighbor's honor and reputation as the Lord Jesus Christ has defended mine. Amen.